Welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tech Me, Tech's weekly current events quiz. This week on the podcast, we have one of the best builders I know and a good friend of mine, Erwin Len. Erwin is the co-founder of Centric, a location analytics startup that was acquired in 2017. And he's also the VP of engineering for Uber Media, a location data aggregator founded by Idealabs Bill Gross. Erwin, in the words of Barbara Walters, are you ready for some tough questions? I'm ready. So the way this game works is pretty simple. You'll have 10 minutes to answer as many questions as possible. Each question is from a tech or startup story that was in the news this week. You'll have one opportunity to answer or pass. And if you get the answer right, you're going to hear this noise. If you get the answer wrong, you're going to hear this noise. Erwin Lent, are you ready to play? I am so ready to play. Honk all you want. I'm not changing anything. This week, Tesla changed the dynamic of public roads even more with the beta release of what? Their new AI software. Ooh, can you get they're, more specific? They're, sorry, their new self-driving software. That's right. Okay, number two. They're not playing around. Which tech giant launched its cloud gaming service on the web and Android while taking a public shot at the iOS app store's terms and conditions? Oh, wow. I was going to say Epic, but I didn't know Epic released Epic. Fuck. No, I'm sorry. The answer was Facebook. Google. Oh, Facebook. Oh. All right. It's time to get weird. Here.fm is a super flexible web-based communication platform that lets participants decorate a room with virtual items, GIFs, backgrounds, notes, screen shares, and more. This week, they raised a $2.9 million seed round with participation from Firstmark and what well-known accelerator? White Combinator? Nice. That's right. Nice. Thanks for the heads up. Which platform took a proactive step and now shows U.S. users a warning at the top of their feed saying that they may encounter misleading information about voting by mail? Facebook. Fuck. No, I'm sorry. The answer is Twitter. Oh, much, much bigger than its namesake. Which Chinese fintech titan is now set to raise as much as $34.5 billion in what would be the world's largest IPO? Oh, man. I don't know. The answer was Ant Group or Ant financial oh yeah i remember reading that ouch uber and lyft took another hit this week this time unrelated to the pandemic when this california appeals court upheld a ruling that uber and lyft must do what pay their drivers minimum wage plus the cost of gas can you get a little bit more broad on that one fairly compensate or treat their contractors as employees that's right nice work we're all going to have to find a new source of random pens and USB flash drives. A startup called Hubilo raised $4.5 million this week to fund their COVID-induced pivot to becoming a platform for what? What was the name one more time of the company? Hubilo? I don't know if that's going to give you clues. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and they did. Sorry. What, what, just repeat the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're all going to have to find a new source of random pens and USB flash drives. Hubelo raised $4.5 million this week to fund their COVID-induced pivot to being a platform for what? For vaccine data tracking. No, I'm sorry. The answer was virtual events or conferences. Oh, that makes more sense. Farmville or Fortnite? A new report from App Annie this week revealed that Generation Z spends 10% more time than older users in which type of apps, games or non-games? 
non-games because they're more on TikTok and Snapchat than they are on Farmville and Candy Crush. That's right. Nailed it. Yeah. All right. Taking things more literally than other companies with similar offerings, which company launched its beta for low latency satellite internet service this week? Starlink. They're back. Which tech CEOs will be returning to Washington, D.C. to testify before Congress about platform censorship two weeks after Election Day? Platform censorship, that would be probably, and you said CEOs, so multiple CEOs? Yep. So Zuckerberg, Jack, Dorsey. That's right. Those two. All right. Just in time for Halloween, SoftBank just infused Los Angeles startup OrderMark with $120 million to expand what new concept in food delivery? Ooh, it's like the cloud kitchen thing. Oh, cool. That's what it's called, cloud kitchen? uh, Ghost kitchens. Oh, ghost Ghost kitchen. (laughs) That's an interesting move. Bob Iger, the chairman and former chief executive of Walt Disney, is joining the board of Perfect Day, a massively well-funded startup focused on what? And this was the, uh, for what was the the first company, Disney? Yep. Is He is the chairman and chairman. former chief executive of Walt Disney. Okay. I'm going to guess it's like uh, video animation rendering. Damn it. Nope. I'm sorry. The answer was milk alternatives. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Yep. They're making them <laughs> using a protein cultivated from mushrooms. So it's like the Impossible Burger. It's the Impossible Milk. <laughs> Uh-oh. Busted. After investigating for more than a year, the Justice Department has filed an antitrust lawsuit against which tech company this week? That was fast. While still in closed beta, former Evernote CEO Phil Libin's startup, Mm Hmm, has acquired startup Memix to enhance its platform for what communication method? They acquired which company? Memix. Memix. Video. That's right. Melbourne-based Linktree raised $10.7 million for its simple link-centered web-based profiles popular with users of what major platform? Link-centered what? Simple link-centered web-based profiles. Okay. Popular with Reddit users? No, I'm sorry. The answer was Instagram. Interesting. Even more competition looms on the horizon in the cloud video world. Which YouTube competitor has introduced a free B2B asynchronous video messaging offering? Wow, that's cool. YouTube? No. Nope, I'm sorry. It's Vimeo. Oh, Vimeo. Yeah, they've got a Loom clone now. Wow, I had no idea. That's awesome. Did you say it was free? Yep. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) You're fired. In a suite of election-related updates, Google announced that they will ban what after election day? Don't know. I give... The answer was political advertising. Oh. Hopefully with less sound effects this time, Spotify has taken another shot at the traditional airwaves with their launch of what classic radio concept? Hmm. I don't know. Answer is a daily morning show. In a strong endorsement for the stability of the world as it currently stands, which political figure's Twitter account was accessed by a Dutch security researcher who simply guessed the password? Trump. That's right. Mega 2020 exclamation mark. (laughs) Oh, man, you knew it too. (laughs) Free is a misnomer. COVID has contributed to a significant growth for fintechs, including challenger bank Lilly, who raised a $15 million Series A this week, just months after their $10 million seed round. What type of user is Lilly targeted at? People who would use Dave 
who need an advance on their paycheck. So lo lower income. No, okay. No, sorry. The answer was freelancers. No, that with the lower income, they need they need an advance. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> The former founders of SoundCloud announced a $17.7 million Series A this week for their new company, Dance. Dance brings a new take on electric bikes by exclusively offering them as what? On bikes? By exclusively Dance? I, I got no idea. Unfortunately, that was the last question, too. The answer was subscription service. Oh, so, what was my score? Erwin, your score was 10. 10? Wow. 10 questions. That's not actually, bad. Yeah, it's not bad. 10 out of 20? 10 out of 21. Here's the good news. You're the only person to play this game so far, so you are currently in first place on the leaderboard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was a couple a couple tricky ones in there. Yeah. There's 11 tricky ones in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so congratulations. You got 10 right, which is, again, super strong. You are number one on the leaderboard at this yes. point in episode one. And so now I thought we'd end the podcast with doing a little bit of Q&A here. So I wanted to kick things off by asking about remote work. There were a significant number of news stories this week that were related to funding announcements for video conferencing tools, which kind of aligns with the explosion of remote work for high-skilled labor like engineering. And so I wanted to ask, as an engineer and software architect, do you see this emphasis on tools that enable remote work as an opportunity for more U.S. engineering jobs to be remote-friendly? or a threat in the form of a lower barrier to working with offshore teams at a lower cost? Both, absolutely both. With remote work, companies are going to be more and more okay with offshore work. And already before COVID and forcing everyone to be remote, that was already a trend. So that's being accelerated for sure. And then of course, everyone now just sees, oh yeah, remote work is pretty functional. And in some cases, it's actually more functional than an office. So I think both for sure. Do you think it's only a perception thing where now they're realizing that remote work is more functional or it also has become more acceptable recently where it's not just a perception thing, but somehow the mechanics have changed a little bit since everyone's online? I think it's largely perception. And this is coming from having worked remote for many years because what is different in tooling now? Like you use Slack and you use Zoom and Google Meets. These tools or equivalents have been around for a long time. And there's a ton of new softwares that are just coming out that are helping the remote work, but it has been very functional with the very with the basic tools because that's all you need. You just need to be able to communicate because the, the only thing you're eliminating is just being in another room with someone and being with on Slack and in, in video calls. That's all you need. And do you think that shifting kind of the acceptance of remote work is what's going to really tee up some switch to offshoring development? Or do you think that there's still some other barriers there that are not necessarily related to just purely the, the act of working over the internet with the coworkers? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing against offshore teams is, is the perception. I think that's the biggest hindrance preventing it from being more widely adopted. And I think that perception is definitely going away a lot quicker now that people are, you know, oh, if remote work is actually so functional, maybe I also have the wrong idea about offshore development. But with that said, offshore development is easy to get wrong. A lot of people, the first thing that comes to mind is go to India. And India is across the world. And it's a huge country with an insane amount of debt firms. 
and finding a quality dev firm that can be on your, not on your exact time zone or, or your working hours, but at least have overlap. And yeah, I think there's been a lot of, of historical issues with working out, out of desk shops there versus I think what's really rising in popularity is South America, like Argentina, for example, because one, oh, you have the same time zone uh, or very similar time zone. So you can, you don't have to have only one hour of overlap every day. And the quality is for most things that you need the same level as the United States. Because what most people don't realize is the majority of software development of application development is not easy, but it's not rocket science. You just have to have experience and college degrees aren't necessary for creating websites and web applications. I think South America is definitely growing and I think people are going to adopt that more and more. So the next thing I wanted to go was based on another trend that we saw on the news this week. And that's, a, you know, we see Descript, which is an editing platform founded by the former founder of a daily deal site. We saw Acapella, which is an asynchronous video meetings platform from the former founder of a music-based social app. And Dance, that's a bike company from the former founders of a music sharing platform. And so I was wondering, why do you think it is that founders seem to move on to new spaces with their subsequent companies? And could you ever see yourself founding another location data startup? I think that mentality is the first time you do anything, you're learning, you make a lot of mistakes, and you sometimes make mistakes that are irreversible. For example, whether it's raising too much money or or getting locked into a pricing model and trying to back out of it, it's going to murder your user base. There's a whole lot of things that you can do wrong that you wouldn't want to do the second time around. And then once you get acquired, it's like a clean slate. So if you know that you could do it again and do it much better, then why not? <laughs> I definitely would not do anything in the location space again. I am completely 100% tapped out there. Unless it was a consumer product that had location to it, sure. But I definitely wouldn't do any B2B location stuff anymore. <laughs> so maybe dive into that a little bit further. Like, Why do you feel uh, tapped out in something that you've spent? years and years working on it. At one point, you were assumably interested in, in it enough to uh, found a company around it. What changed? For me personally, this was like the start of my career. And I was trying to find a niche. Yeah, as soon as you get yourself in a niche, then your market value goes up because there's only a finite amount of, of experts in that field. I got in on location very early and a lot of people were struggling with it. So I became an expert in it. And that, yeah, so it, that was literally the only reason is just because there was hype around it and there was demand for it. I became an expert in it. Now there's no more hype for it. In fact, it's the opposite. Now it's GDPR and the California, what is it, CCPA. Now, if you have location data, it becomes a red flag. All of a sudden, it's a legal nightmare and you have to do all this data scrubbing. So I think it's just completely transformed to the point where there's no real benefit for me to stay in there. I could find another niche or, or get in another space and continue to grow. But I definitely don't think there's any room for me to grow in this tapped out space. So are there any that are uh, particularly interesting to you at this point? I think for sure. With kind of the mentality of accepting remote work, that's gone beyond just working from home, but also talking to a doctor from home and taking fitness classes from home. What I'm particularly interested in is telemedicine. 
There's been these huge billion-dollar companies now, Hims, Hers, Rory, Romans, that are just focusing on, yeah, on individual products. You know, like, are you struggling with hair loss? Great. Download this app. Talk to a doctor. Get it mailed to your door. Bam. Problem solved. So, yeah. I think that consumer market is only going to get bigger and bigger as, as people are increasingly being more okay with remote things, as well as COVID completely relaxing telemedicine laws and making it much more viable for startups to enter without having to adhere to crazy standards and invest hundreds of thousands in legal fees just to get started. So I guess another question here, as you mentioned, you're someone who's been a proponent of remote work for a number of years now. And I think probably the person I know who's used its opportunities to the fullest extent, where you travel all around the world and around the US while working remotely. And so I was wondering, what are some of your tips for balancing an active lifestyle with being productive and engaged at work at the same time? And maybe what was the most challenging time and place for you to work remotely? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest, most important thing is staying in one spot. So there was sprints in my travel where I stay in a spot for a few days or a week and then move on to the next one. That had a big drain on my productivity versus the places I stay in. I'm in one apartment for a whole month and I can really get rooted, get my routines down. And that had a a good effect on my productivity. So that would be my biggest tip is just trying to spread out movement as much as possible so you can maintain your rituals and and then another one is just if you're it depends on the kind of work you do if you're in a job function where you're you have a lot of meetings then definitely be strategic about your time zone if you're in europe and you have to be in meetings until 3 a.m not a good time (laughs) i I did that not a good time (laughs) it sucks and then you're going to bed at 3 30 in the morning and the sun's coming up in a couple hours. It makes it so hard to sleep and just really miserable. As far as the hardest place to work, that would be, originally I was going to say Morocco, but in Morocco, at least my hotspot was working. In Egypt, my hotspot was not working and the resort Wi-Fi completely stopped working. That was definitely the most difficult because that required going to various little uh, bodegas and buying SIM cards and having the clerk try and configure my phone to work with these Egyptian SIM cards <laughs> so I could get data to make a hotspot so I could be online. So that was definitely most difficult. For as long as I've known you, one of your primary qualities is that you can make friends with pretty much anyone, particularly over the internet. The question I have is, uh, why do you think that is? And Do you have any kind of tips or tricks that are particularly relevant now that networking kind of has to happen over broadband connections? Wow, that's a good question. I don't know. I think for me personally, I kind of grew up playing MMOs. Making friends online was just completely natural to me. And was that like a necessary component to those MMOs? Absolutely. I played very crowded MMOs where you can't do anything without being surrounded by hundreds of people. Uh, And a lot of the raids and quests and things require you to do it with other people. So it's common. Yeah. Like that's against the trope of the antisocial gamer, right? Is that a misconception from society or is that you're like a unique case where that actually worked out? No, I think it's a misconception because I think gamers are antisocial in real life. 
but heavily social in games. And I was extremely introverted for many years, which is why I I love video games because they didn't drain me. I could talk to people and feel safe and not drained. Whereas in real life, it, it was very draining. I think it's just a whole different communication style. So I think gamers are very social in game. What are some of the tips that you might offer for how to do better at networking online, especially now that, again, that analogous situation to an MMO where you found a lot of comfort and ability to make friends is the one that we're all in 100% of the time. Yeah, (laughs) true. I got a private tour of Pixar for my entire office by just messaging someone on LinkedIn. And all I did was butter them up. I just know how to butter people up. (laughs) Give some compliments. Don't make it sound like you have an ego. Just be down to earth and chill. So is it maybe a little bit more focused on the the other person versus you talking yourself up in those ways? Is that what you mean by being down to earth? and Like uh, I'm very strategic. For example, in the Pixar example, I looked at a lot of LinkedIn profile of different Pixar people. I found someone that looked like I could easily have a connection with. And then based off their bio, I saw that they previously had startup experience and they had, they ran their own little like robotic pet startup. It was like a super cute little desk robot. So that's, I'm like, great. There's my end. So it's like, Hey, I have a startup in Oakland. It's just 10 minutes away from your office. I saw that you're, you had this cool startup. It looks amazing. I really like the idea behind it. I'm not in a similar space. I'm also in the startup world and I'm trying to make it. And we're all super huge fans of Pixar and just, you know, throwing it out there, but wondering if uh, an office tour was at all possible. And then, yeah, and that was it. That's all it took. <laughs> so find find ways to make a connection. I like that. That sounds surprisingly actionable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an engineering approach to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That does it for my questions. So thank you for uh, coming onto the podcast and congratulations at holding the number one spot on the leaderboard. Oh, I plan on being there for quite a while. So uh, get used to it. Thanks, everyone. Yep. Thank you.